attention. Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going. I'm on my way. I'm taking my time, but I don't know where. Goodbye, Rose. Say the Queen of Corona. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Hello, and welcome to the Kitchfork Media Podcast, an anti-nostalgic album-by-album look back at the indie music of the aughts and the terrible hipster culture that uh, emerged from it through the lens of Pitchfork Media. Um, today, we are doing a special twofer episode um, covering two smaller releases that had big implications for the music scene at large, uh, those being uh, Young Liars by TV on the Radio and... Me and Giuliani down by the schoolyard, parentheses, a true story by Chick Chick Chick. Yeah, that's a single. By the way, I'm Liz Ryerson. And I'm your other co-host, Max Cohen. <laughs> uh, it's fine. That works. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, so we did a, we did the 12 Rods Gay episode. We are trying to get more on like doing our quote-unquote normal episodes being like 2000s music and not jumping back to the 90s unless like we have a 5 or 10s episode. But, or a very special guest. Yeah, so this is us in our best new music era uh, again, once again because uh, both <laughs> of these uh, appear on Pitchfork Best New Music in 2003 the first year that it launched and also um are kind of notable for being one an ep and two a single i think the chick 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 single is the only single that's ever been put on best new music they eventually added best new track so it's notable for that it's also notable for getting a 7.8 uh below an 8.0 and also appearing on best new music anyway uh, you know, best best new music was a a much more vague concept at the time. Yeah, the only other thing to to have uh, gotten below an eight was from the same year. It was the album, or it was the EP. Let's get serious by Panthers, which was also a dance punk. Oh God, I I forgot about Panthers until this very moment. Yeah, I had, I know nothing about them. Inferior to the superior band Ja Panthers. Oh. Um, Although I don't yeah. like that band name. <laughs> no, it's it's a terrible band name. A lot of bad things were happening at the time. Yeah. Um, Speaking but yeah, of these which... are, I think, specifically interesting because they both feel like early harbingers of music that, we were talking about this before the podcast, music that defines the phrase you had to be there. Yeah. Although I think TV on the radio transcends that somewhat. They they. I feel like they eventually do. I like Young Liars, but I, I feel like TV on the radio don't really come into themselves until a couple albums later. Um, but Chick Chick Chick, which I, we should probably start with. Yes, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, even though it's it's a single, but it's you know it's like a twelve inch. It's eighteen minutes. Um, yeah, it's basically an EP. It's it. They're two longest tracks of their entire career are are these two tracks the mia giuliani and the remix of intensify called intensifeder sun rock capella electro shit mix oh three yes and and i feel like this was a you know so chick 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 were part of the growing dance punk music 
uh, scene of that era. And I feel like 12 inches were coming back in a big way because like um, the year before was when Losing My Edge came out. And I remember that being a huge deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, long before LCD Sound System actually put out an album. Um, and starting the and, uh, career of one of the most insufferable people in music. Indeed. And uh, The Rapture put out House of Jealous Lovers, you know, like a year before their album actually came out. And that was a big deal. People were, you know, every time white people rediscover disco, they get really fucking excited. And this was this was one of those moments. It's actually weird to think about because I was watching like an Animal Collective music video from that someone had like, you know, AI HD restored on YouTube from like 2006. And I was just noticing how everyone in the no one in the crowd is dancing. And I was like, this is so weird because it was like it was the song was the Purple Bottle, which is a song you can actually dance to. It has like a pretty prominent like drum beat. And uh, yeah, like weirdly, like. I, I don't know. I I wonder if this dance punk reaction comes out of the fact that like indie rock shows in the nineties, I've heard this too, but, um, and that could have been a reaction to like punk and hardcore being like way heavy on slam dancing and pogoing and all that stuff. Maybe, maybe the standing still and, and crossing your arms, uh, was a reaction to that. But like my main memory going to shows at like Oberlin or whatever, or, or you know, or even just normal venues was people standing there and crossing their arms. And even like the chick, chick, chicks performances that I've seen, people aren't dancing nearly as much as you would think that they are. So no, but it, it was, it was absolutely a reaction to the, like nobody dances at indie shows. Cause, cause like, it wasn't just like dance punk, you know, a bunch like bands like uh, um, Chinese Stars did this too. Like I remember going to shows that were explicitly dance groups and people either not dancing or dancing terribly. Yeah, well, I'm I'm okay with people dancing terribly as long as they have like uh, they're into it and sure. not like doing like a half-assed like this is my idea of dancing. You know, uh, yeah, and it, what I think is interesting is I feel like the groups that were really into the dance element were really were com- doing it almost less out of I, I mentioned disco earlier. It was less of like a disco revival and more like re. It was part of the post punk revival. Yeah, it was, it was, like it Gang was of Four, Talking Heads, those, those elements. You know, the you know one of the big big albums for this I remember at the time was that first Liars album, which is extremely like danceable. Uh, but also extremely gnarly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, but yes, I, I want to read how uh, Pitchfork at the time contextualizes this album. So I'll read a little bit from the review, but this is actually the best new music blurb at the time because I have mm-hmm. uh, the page up on archive.org. It says, At the helm of the dance punk revolution lie three bands, Liars, The Rapture, and the Sacramento-based eight-piece Chick 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 um, exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point uh arguably the progenitors of the movement so chick 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 is from sacramento um but uh they moved to new york like fairly shortly after um sharing members without hud chick chick chick's 2000s gsl which i guess is the record label debut fused the polyrhythms of remain in light era talking heads with straight up 70s disco funk sending a shockwave to the heart of by numbers indie rock a certified wake-up call 
Now, just as so many talentless posers are beginning to wear out the genre's welcome, Chick 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 return with this new 23-minute teaser for their pending second LP and take the shit uh, to heights undreamt of. Now, this is like, this is not 23 minutes, like 18 minutes, whatever. Um, yeah. they, they, they didn't have, if, if they were listening on vinyl, they didn't have the, the uh, convenience of looking at a digital number. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. Um, but yeah, Chick Chick Chick, originally from Sacramento, um, uh, came from various hardcore bands, um, or the the band the groups Black Licorice and Pope Smashers were apparently the two bands that merged, um, and they sort of came from uh, hardcore um, and indie rock, and then uh, they brought on the hardcore singer Nick Offer, who's the, you know the the lead singer. Um, and apparently the name comes from the movie God, The Gods Must Be Crazy, which everyone of a certain age seemed to love that movie, but I hear no one talk about that movie anymore. That was very much of, the, that was especially of the era. It was a, a sort of a, a, a cargo cult fantasy movie. <laughs> but yeah, um, eventually they moved, like their first album is just called Chick, Chick, Chick. And funnily enough, uh, in this Pitchfork review, um, it, yeah, I'll, I'll actually read from this Pitchfork review, which is by Chris Ott, which is just a classic cliche Pitchfork review of the era. It says, Chick Chick Chick's self-titled CD was the toast of the underground, a funky stone roses. They were so well regarded, in fact, that Pitchfork trashed them. <laughs> uh, one, it, one, the stone roses infamously were a dance band. <laughs> Yeah. So that is a very silly thing to say. They were, at the very least, trying to be funky. But anyways. Apparently, uh, the only place you could buy this record online was insound.com, which I think was bought was the site that was bought out by Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, people were loosening up. Moping indie rock was boring to them. Cut loose, new no wave was on the rise. And... <laughs> God, this other part, uh, this I have to read this. I saw a Chick 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 in Boston that year, although I'm sure singer Nick Offers forgotten the lone bespectacled idiot who, that danced with him during his obligatory crowd rush to oust the stiffs. I didn't do it to be cool or to prove anything to myself to, or the audience. I did it to challenge his audacity. Okay, outrageous dance band. The new bad things tried this shit two years ago. Prove it to me. Nick didn't flinch when I grabbed his hips and began dry humping him. <laughs> he was dead serious about shaking it in a room where few, if any, people knew who he was. From the st- stage, he did a great Ian Brown impression. I don't know who Ian Brown is. That's, At- that's Stone Roses. Oh, okay. As Chick Chick Chick's division of drummers, guitarists, and horn players jammed intently, the perfect balance between filthy hippies and detached session players. If it weren't for Nick's fantastic stage presence, they'd have been a nor- another boring funk band, a certain ratio circa 1984. But his gusto put the band squarely in the background, isolating them as a self-amused house band for what should have been an all-out dance party. Ah, <sighs> This is like the classic... Um, I don't know if you remember Rich Dork Media. It was like a something-awful spoof of Pitchfork Media. No, what the fuck? <laughs> okay, it was like a it was like a fake spoof, and like they had uh, articles that were like spoofs, and one of them was like a fake Radiohead review that was just making fun of the Kid A review. Um, 
but one of them was like a guy talking about this band pain funnel and he was just talking about how much the lead singer of the band was a pussy and how much he hated him and he's like i saw that guy and it was just like that kind of stuff and like this review is basically that yeah (laughs) it's Um, just the reviewer like like putting them and and, you know entering themselves in by being like yeah i don't know about this but in this case they're like oh yeah i don't know about this but no this is actually pretty cool i guess it it really thinking about this and also 12 rods it's 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 interesting to think how many good pitchfork reviews back then were based on them seeing going to a show and enjoying it rather than listening to the album yeah although this has a classic skeptical he says like um what wait what the fuck did he just say the music takes over over yeah the one cautionary aspect of chick 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 is nick offers insipid lyrics which when reaching for anything more than meaningless posi chord chants are largely a wasted effort um i actually kind of agree with him there oh yeah they're idiotic they're terrible um, um but and yeah. not in a fun way like a lot of liars lyrics were like specifically goofy you know, we I got we got our fingers on the pulse of America. Like this felt if they were meant to be ironic, they were ironic in a very dumb way. This is one of those things that uh there was a this comedian, um I used to watch Comedy Central all the time when I was, you know, in middle school. And there was this comedian Dave Attell who had the show Insomniac. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and he had a bit where he's like he was talking about going to a dance club and like the music being like, You got to work it. You got to push it. And he's like, Whoa, whoa, slow down. I don't gotta do anything. I don't like being <laughs> ordered around by my music. Right. This is that's what I feel from <laughs> from listening yes. to to fucking Nick Offer's lyrics. The the to the extent that I can hear them. Yeah, although you know, it is defense it was fairly novel at the time (laughs) i mean i guess like i it's funny because i read like another article that they were like well they were an unabashedly political band and this was a protest against giuliani and like to some extent that's true because apparently this is about the cabaret laws in new york um which like were like on New York famously had these like cabaret laws that like weren't enforced for a really long time but then when Giuliani sort of came to power in the 90s on this like oh I'm gonna take care of crime in the city which is well gee seems familiar huh yeah although there actually was a crime wave then and (laughs) there the crime wave now is mostly just completely made up um but um yeah, he he brought back the the cabaret laws. Uh, so this is kind of a protest of that, and against Bloomberg, who I guess had just taken office. Um, and the cabaret law didn't get overturned until 2017, which is funny because like by the time it's 2017 in New York City, no one can afford to fucking run a business. <laughs> so, right. so it's like it, effectively the people being priced out is is the cabaret law now <laughs> in every city like New York. Uh, but anyway, there are occasional, uh, you know, like, uh, references to, to that. He's like, here's a message to you, Rudy, and to you, Mr. Bloomberg, and the rest of you ties too tight dudes. Y'all could learn a lesson by losing inhibitions, losing yourself in the music, losing yourself in the moment. That's one of the lyrics. You gotta never let it. <laughs> it's so corny. It's extremely, of course it is. Yes. 
but you can't even hear what he's saying which kind of makes it even worse you know uh, oh this makes me think of you remember like new age music in the 90s like like yeah, enigma with all the gregorian chant revival stuff yeah and like there's a song called the principles of lust yes. do what you must and it's like very on the surface like feel the music that's this is what that is except like a hipster talking heads-esque version of it i guess <laughs> irony as an excuse to write really bad really bad lyrics again occasionally sometimes intentionally dumb in a funny way like um you know liars or lcd or i guess just those two really because <laughs> because the rapture were really were pretty earnest and and this stuff even if you no matter what you say like it's it feels like like the 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 it's so irony poison what it feels like is like uh, you're all afraid of feeling things. I'm gonna make you move. It's gonna be great. Like I, I just, it's like I a, just hate it. A, the angry hardcore punk version of like the new sincerity. <laughs> yes, exactly. New York City is where the freaks come to be free. And if I can't get my freak on, see, I'm a hang up on, uh, hang up Giuliani. He can sick his lackeys on me, but you can't stop a new age dawning. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh, the new age did not, in fact, dawn. <laughs> no, this lasted for like a couple of years, um, uh. and they were difficult. You know, it was a hard time, and especially because like a lot of these bands were essentially one-note bands. You know, Liars, thank God, completely changed on their next album and would do that <laughs> the, for the rest the, of their career. The 2021 album, which is like mostly Angus Andrew, is I think their best album that I've heard by them. Um, you know, I'm still a drums not dead person, but they they're always doing something at the very least interesting, mm-hmm. um, and at the most very good. Um, but you know, like Chick 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 kept making music, but they were never really relevant again. I mean, they are still active and still touring, so clearly this is like there's an audience for people who like this kind of music, and it makes sense. I mean, it's like oriented around the live experience but the problem that i have from like listening to you know more of this album that this this ended up being on which is uh what is uh louden up now is it's like a lot of their songs just sound the same um yes the groove doesn't substantially change and weirdly like this feels like this single feels like the best version of it because they let it give it time for like the arrangement to develop and for it to be more of like that kind of experience. Whereas I don't like get as much of those like textures from what I've seen of their other stuff or, you know, like what I've seen of videos of their live performances, but you know, somebody is going to see them. They're clearly still touring. And so, yeah, I don't know good for them i i would never um there's too much cowbell on this song but yeah the the first track is obviously me and giuliani 
uh, Down by the Schoolyard, a reference to, of course, Me and Julio, Down by the Schoolyard by uh, Paul Simon from Graceland. Uh, Lots of, I mean, it's amazing, you know, doing a podcast about the 20 slash 30 year cycle because we do a lot of 90s albums too. How much like that is just (laughs) what so many like popular music movements are like this is like, you know, so many 80s and 70s references um, in this era of music. Although I will say the title is the cleverest thing I think about the song. So yeah, it makes you think that the the song is really going to like mess with your expectations uh or, or at least go in like a more of a gang of four direction like have something interesting to say yeah be a little bit more ironic or like yeah like like that era of post-punk i i think this is one of the things like i i said so there's some interesting guitar interplay i said talking heads uh it, it reminds me of songs like the great curve on remain in light or something like that there's a lot of remain in light on here there's a lot of like liquid liquid in the bush tetras like that area of like era of like new york no wave but it's um, diminishing returns yeah well i mean even the other song on this single is i'm not a big fan of like it oh just... i actually kind of like the second track but yeah um i i think the thing that like if you're going to make the kind of music that is heavily inspired by that um that stuff often has more interesting textures or like, you know, talking heads experimented more with like the production and like synths and things like that. And they don't really do that, especially on this first song. And that's, in general, that's, that's kind of the thing about chick, chick, chick that puzzles me why anybody paid attention. Cause like other bands did all of this better, you know, the echo or not the echoes uh, rapture had the rapture had like way better, way more interesting textures the uh you know liars had a way more interesting rhythm section and a, a better beat lcd sound system was doing the lyrical thing a lot better like it's absurd to me that chick 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 ever got traction maybe it's for people who are afraid of too much electronic textures it sounds too alien for them they need those they need those like uh, rumbling guitars making percussive I, noises i guess i mean they had those on, on, on House of Jealous Lovers. I don't know. I don't get these people. Um, I don't understand them. I like the, the way that, like, the sort of dub delayed inter- or reverb, like, the, the guitar interplay, like, and really parts that don't involve uh, fucking um, Nick o- Offer. Is that his name? Yes. I confuse him with Nick Offerman. <laughs> right. Um, um, as we, we all do. Well, it's just, I, I think maybe I'm just having trouble. I can't separate it from every other band that was out at the time. Like, I, yeah, I when mean, I listen to it, I'm just thinking about how, like, all of these elements are done better elsewhere. You have the goddamn Skippy hi-hat beats, which are, like, everywhere. Franz Ferdinand, you know, like, all those bands, the freaking Skippy hi-hat beats. Right. And again, a lot of cowbell. Um, which there was already, again, there's already a cowbell solo on House of Jealous Lovers, like, and it was bad then, and it's bad, bad now. <laughs> so the, yeah, the interesting thing, like the groove, it goes like, boom, 
and then it and then there's a guitar that goes bam bam bam. It's like to me that sounds like one layer of a song on Remain in Light that has like three or four layers rhythmically, but it's just that one layer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's not musically as dense. And also the thing with like Talking Heads or a lot of those post punk bands is like there's some kind of surreal dark imagery to like a lot of the lyrics, like, you know, talking heads, obviously David Burns lyrics are very abstract or, you know, like public image limited. Uh, some of the lyrics are very dark. Uh-huh. Um, they don't, they're, they're not these things that are just telling you, you know, come on, Giuliani, we're going to dance. You a silly. No, none of those bands are. I mean, even like, I wouldn't necessarily call like liquid liquids lyrics poetic you, you know they're they're also kind of abstract and uh motion based but they're they're interesting and they're like textural in a way that these aren't like that's the other thing too it's not just that the lyrics aren't very good his vocalizations i feel like aren't adding much the the vocal hook especially at the end is really stupid the like do 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 it doesn't like add anything melodically all the interesting stuff that's happening is happening in the arrangement and like the interplay of guitars and stuff right exactly <laughs> When we eventually do like um, echoes or like they threw us in a trench or something, um, I will be a lot more effusive about the good music of this era. But I feel like Chick 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 is is like it's important to cover them because like this is the kind of music that would get best new music, and that's really weird and depressing. But it's not my favorite. I I think there's interesting stuff to it. I think it's like good musically in a lot of ways but then it's also kind of like just just like a a worse version of things that i mean it makes me feel similarly to something like spoon which is like when spoon is writing a song that sounds like it's on rubber soul it's like i know you're not a beatles fan (laughs) but for me like i still would rather much rather listen to rubber soul than like that spoon song um Mm -hmm. And I in like I feel like there's a lot of music of this era that's just kind of trying to do that, and it and it did it well enough to where it was popular, but it just never like did it much for me because you know like I wanted a band to like I mean like you know there even groups like Olivia Tremor Control it's like if you just took some of the songs maybe they're just doing a Beach Boys Beatles thing but then they added a bunch of stuff on top of that. And right. that's what I tend to want from music. Um, if you're going to do something like that and um, it, it just doesn't do enough. Like there is, there's some interesting like textures with the, I, I kind of like stuff that, that repeats and like adds, like builds up tension. And there are parts in this with the, with the guitar that like, there's kind of like a, you know, a guitar that's like playing in place and then there's like a, a riff that goes bam 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 and then there's like kind of a building feeling but then it, it doesn't 
when it releases it doesn't release into something massive it releases into this fucking doofus you know going do 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 right and it, it and that that kind of like makes it hard for me to feel like this is something that i would listen to casually um but that said, I actually like the second track. Uh, maybe yeah. it's because all he's saying is, can you feel it intensify over and over and over again? It's like, <laughs> so I don't have to listen to his cringe. Li- I mean, I, can you feel it intensify is a dumb phrase, too. I mean, but it sounds like, like a 90s dance house kind of thing, you know. I don't know. It doesn't bother me as much because um, it just is what it is. And like the, mu- it, it lets the music at least and like the rhythmic part be more, you know, I don't know. And maybe I like it because it sounds more warp core, like warp records core, which is, I, I could see that. Yeah. Which is funny because now <laughs> they've been on warp records uh, basically since this album, like they released a few things on touch and go, but are basically have just been on warp records. This feels like the kind of things where like, you know, like UK music journalists, like fucking Simon Reynolds or somebody like that, I'm sure would listen to this and be like, wow, this is political. You know, it's getting people to dance. You know, it's it's messing. You know, this is this is the true legacy of American music. And then they listen to Guided by Voices and they're like, that's reactionary. You know, well, and it's like because they're they're fucking because British music journalism is the lowest form of literature because they're terrible. <laughs> I'm still mad. Ever since I've read Simon Reynolds, like guided by voices review, I'm so mad. He, he basically treats it like it's his review is like how people reviewed the movie Joker in 2019. He's like, this is a bad for society is basically the way he talks about it. Uh, I, I get so annoyed at reviews like that sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I still hate the vocalist, but like the sort of mantra esque uh, like nature of the vocals and the sort of um, effects and like chopping up. I guess it's it's a little bit Aphex Twin Square Pusher like of the era, but some of the like production effects done on the vocals and stuff. I think like you know dub type production. I think are interesting. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just have the same thing. I guess you would feel about Spoon, where it's like. When I listen to it, all I can think about is better music I could be listening to. <laughs> I mean, that's still true for me. <laughs> yeah. But th- this also has, like, an interesting, like, Autecker, like, early Autecker, like, Amber or, um, you know, fucking um, Try Repite sort of, like, uh, synth line that comes in kind of in the last third. And it's, like, an actual melodic idea. Uh, and there's some spooky like dub whispering effects in the vocals at the end. So I actually kind of like how this track is, which is funny because the review, they basically, this is a remix of the song Intensify from their original. And um, they, the person calls it a commercial improvement over the distorted lo-fi original. If if lacks all the discordant, dangerous melodies that made the song such a menacing live treat. 
Uh, in its place, flaccid daf- Daft Punk loops and spoken word approach revoltingly reminiscent of Fisher Spooner. <laughs> God, we're going to have to do an Electro Clash episode at some point. Uh, I don't know, Fisher Spooner. I think they're... I can't remember if they're mentioned either in the Broken Social Scene book or the, um, you know, Meet Me in the Bathroom. But, um, yeah. But uh, Chris Ott says... They're not very good. uh, Okay. Uh, The stumbling hyperactivity of the original Can You Feel It Intensify is gone, and the manic gospel... uh, maniac gospel breakdown that made the song truly amazing in concert the glitch cuts and pro tool stuttering do nothing for me i don't know like to me like i actually think that makes i listen to the original and i think it's actually more interesting than the original Mm -hmm. um but i don't know i guess like they still kind of hated electronic music of a certain i guess like it's like it reminds me of um the electrical audio message board the steve albini message board like when uh what's that album by burial uh untrue came out everyone was like oh this is the trendiest like no one's going to be talking about this after it came out this is this is just a trendy sound and it's like uh gee you might have been wrong about that one so i i don't know like the the idea of like electronic textures being more commercial or trendy, I guess, was an attitude of the era. But I, I think that's stupid in hindsight because uh, it doesn't sound any less like that than the original does to me. Although I, I they're pretty heavy on like they have brass and stuff. It actually makes me think of like, um, you know, like broken social scene a little bit. This band has two drummers, by the way. <laughs> It, it makes me think of the Go team, actually. <laughs> or like, um, you know, the early Shoe Shoe, like Ten in the Swear Jar or whatever. Like they have yeah. a, they have kind of a ska element to it before it, you know, became Cause, fully because they had an accordion player. <laughs> yeah, well, and they had the a brass, you know, like right. the the early version of um, the, uh, uh, I like my neighborhood. Oh, sad, oh, sad, sad funny girl. gorilla girl. Yeah, yeah, sad girl. Love I think that. it's called on the. The original version is like a much more upbeat sort of brassy, you know. It is, and I love it, and I can't wait to talk about Shushu. Yeah, we're talking about Shushu next episode. I also mentioned that because, you know, Shushu is another Bay Area band from around the that formed around the same time. So, although obviously Chick 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 moved to New York at some point, but yeah, I don't. I I don't I mean like like I said I kind of like the textures of the second one but I I don't have that much to say about it other than that yeah yeah so chick 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 yeah (laughs) where would you oh sorry sorry go ahead go ahead where I mean I was just I was gonna put the finishing touch on it where would I are you thinking about where would I list it yeah um just probably Probably just above Suffian Stevens. Where is it? What number is? Oh, I see. I can see your. Okay, so it's Suffian Stevens is at the bottom. It's below yeah. gay. Below gay. I yeah, because gay I think is at least trying something. Okay. Wow. Um, <laughs> I just I feel like I don't know. This this is chick chick. I, I I think you nailed it. Chick 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 are the spoon of dance punk to me. They're they're just. <laughs> They're not doing much. Well, you have Spoon above gay. 
Uh, yeah, because I like I like you know that kind of music better than I like to dance punk. <laughs> Fair enough. I I shouldn't have let you uh talk me into lowering Sufjan Stevens on my list. I might, <laughs> I might move it up again. Please feel free to. I, I I felt I felt shamed into lowering it. <laughs> no, you should. The thing is, it, it's hard when it's just the two of us on the podcast. But history's on your side. There. I mean, there's a brand, there's a new Sufjan Stevens album that just came out the other day. Actually. Um, oh really? I saw. Yeah, I haven't listened to it, but. I think um, the majority of our fan base would agree with you that that is a good album. Like, yeah, I didn't say it was a so don't feel ashamed. But, don't feel um, ashamed. Okay, I feel. I mean, bad lyrics, sure, but you know. <laughs> um, but I mean, hardly hardly the worst lyrics we've encountered. Yeah. Uh, so I would put "Chick Chick Chick" below "Interpol" uh, and above "Spoon." I think Only that's be- sensible. Yeah, only because I like some of the textures in this, mm-hmm. and I would listen to the second track uh, probably more again, which is funny because um, you actually can't find their first album anywhere. Like, uh, Well, I mean, you can find it on YouTube, but you can't find it on Spotify or their Bandcamp. I don't know huh. why they do that. I wonder that. if it has samples on it. That it are could have samples on it, yeah. Difficult um, to clear. You can find the single... Uh, that we we're talking about on Bandcamp, but you can't mm-hmm. find. I don't know why, but, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I it like could also the... just be like something I've noticed um, with like very indie released early albums by big bands is that no nobody owns it who's going to put it on Spotify, right? Yeah, either it's like I, I imagine some weird like, dispute with those record, those small record labels in terms of rights, or the people who are in the band are just like, oh, we're embarrassed about that. Or, or they're just, I mean, like when we were about to talk about TV on the radio, okay, calculator's not on streaming, and I think it's just because, yeah. you know, they have other things to do than get on DistroKid and upload these ancient four track songs. I mean, that makes more sense. Like, the thing with Chick Chick Chick's first album is it was actually, like, well, more circulated. And Mm -hmm. um, whereas, like, OK Calculator is kind of a a goof off a little bit, or at least mostly just experiments and messing around. But yeah. Anyway, so it's it's right now it's 17th on my list of Chick Chick Chick. So that's Um, that. 17th on your list. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I th- I think so, right? Or no, it's No, we've um, done 17 albums, so Oh, yeah, or, sorry. Sorry. It's um currently 15th on my list. Okay. I'm sorry. Mhm. Um that makes sense to me. Cuz I think we're at 18 with 18, Chick, yes. Chick, Chick. Um yes. cool. Okay. So next, we have The Young Liars EP by TV on the Radio. Yeah. Oh, man, this is... So Chick to Chick, I did not listen too much at the time because, again, there were better bands. I listened to this EP a lot at the time.
Yeah, so what's your history? Where, where did you learn of TV on the radio? I feel like it was, it was either through a playlist on iTunes or the Pitchfork write-up. It was something like that, because what, what sold me on it was the cover of Mr. Greaves. Mm, you know, yes. by that by that point, I was you know, Doolittle was already one of my favorite albums. So I was like, well, I got to hear this. Um, and it's you know what was fun about Young Liars is none of the rest of the album sounds like that. Yeah, but what the rest of the album sounds like is pretty up my alley, which is you know, moody, uh, experimental post punk kind of stuff. Um, and like you know, a bunch of artists that um i loved at the time were on it and i you know like aaron Hempel from liars uh two-thirds of yeah yeah yeah's were on it um so it was like well there's got to be something here and this was also during the period when my like post-punk fandom was at its highest like during the revival and i was going to take anything that was even remotely like it um so before you know desperate youth came out it was just young liars from these guys i was i listened to it extensively um and then you know remained a tv on the radio fan until uh dear science and then i just dropped off but um i still think it's interesting it's a really interesting little ep to have existed at that time what about you do you did you we were talking a bit you might have you like heard staring at the sun somewhere well so actually, I did hear the Mr. Greaves cover because it was mentioned, I think, on the Best New Music, um, like, blurb. And, yeah. like, I tended to download, in 2003, I would, like, download just, like, one or two songs off of a particular album as, like, a preview. Because that was, right. like, the easiest way to do it. Because otherwise, you're, like, listening to a 30-second Amazon you know, clip, and I'm, like, you don't get anything off of that. So And also, download speeds were such that, you know do it you know kazaing an entire album was a pain in the ass it was a pain in the ass but you could definitely do it if you wanted to but i still felt guilt about doing that about most things especially new music so i would only download like a song from an album usually mm-hmm. um so yeah i obviously downloaded the the cover it must have been right around actually when i heard doolittle for the first time was in 2003 so I think it was probably after that. And I thought it was, you know, fine. I was like, oh, this is a cute cover. Um, and then, but it doesn't sound like the rest of the album, so I didn't really think anything of it. And then, like, on a mix, I think somebody made a mix on, like, the Guided by Voices message board that I used to go on. Um, and I think both Province and Wolf Like Me were on it because uh, this was, like, 2006. And oh, I like okay. those songs. Um but I just never, I don't know, I, I, I tended to listen to all of Return to Cookie Mountain because a lot of people talked about it. Also, freaking Super Mario World reference. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's so funny. Actually, okay, this is a tangent. But, like, there was so much, like, I guess this is the first generation of people who grew up with video games, like, being ever-present in their lives, you know? Yeah, and, and, and David C. Tech um, was like made it part of his public identity that he was a huge fucking nerd. <laughs> well, but you also have Owen Pallet like Final Fantasy. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But like uh, there was an article somebody wrote about I think this guy named Drew I need to look up his name. I I will link it maybe in the show description. Um that he wrote about like uh interpolation uh or interpretation of video game music and songs about how it's like basically not credited or people like 
didn't want to reference like the fact they didn't want to cop to the fact that it's like a video game reference and like mm-hmm. but like um owen pallet actually has a song that's an interpolation of the theme from super mario land the star music theme i forget what it's called the song but the the, the melody that goes like bum 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 it's like a by tataka the composer for like animal crossing and stuff but yeah anyway um it's it, it, that's funny to me because now like you know underground music like fire tools or machine girl or right. you know well like, i mean especially in, Shroud are like very out in the open with like especially in hyper pop and hyper pop and vaporwave fucking love yeah games. i mentioned uh, fire tools because like fire tools has a song literally I, th- I think it's called soda lake with game genie it's like another right? super mario world reference <laughs> I mean, um, they're, they, they were evocative level titles like Super Mario World, and everybody owns Super Mario World. <laughs> like, Yeah. No, it's a good... Uh, I think Return to Cookie Mountain is a great uh, record name, especially knowing that it's a Super Mario World reference. Yes. Which you could have easily not known, because they, they didn't make it explicit at all. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I guess I just never looked at them more so i was going back and i was figuring like oh we should do this band because i mean one of the big things about this band is there were not very many uh black indie rock artists this is extremely too especially at the time and in this genre yeah there are actually more now a little Mm bit um but only recently i mean like there's i was listening to the uh was that guy bartiz strange have you heard of Oh yeah, Bar- well, even like the newer Eve's Tumor records are, are yeah, owe a lot to like TV on the radio. Like, it's it, it's it's def- it's definitely better now. Um, but, but that's only a very recent thing. Yeah, I mean it's it's fairly recent that it's getting covered. Uh, but at the time, you know, you had this. You would you, like in a it was either this year or the next year that Black Kids came out. Um. Okay. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> um, it was a lily white genre, and a lot of that is because the, you know, pitchfork, the critics were all white. <laughs> you know, the I people... mean, it, it, it's classic music, industry, music business stuff too. Of like genres, like the moment that it's a black musician, it gets called R and B. You know, that, that was yeah, that was also true, which is wild considering how like, at the time, experimental. Uh, R&B, like Santa Gold's first album, I remember was also be was also fairly big, was fairly well written on like Pitchfork. Mm-hmm. Um, but even Dave then, C-Tech like Tech also produced a song for Santa Gold, I think. Yeah, but like they all, I, I feel like Santa Gold got like put into R and B pretty quick, which is a ridiculous thing. Yeah. It's, I don't know. There's been a lot more discourse about that since the 2010s, but um, definitely something that was a very distinctive aspect of TV on the radio because they are an indie rock band, but they are also like, there's elements of, you know, soul or gospel, especially to to the vocals. That, the vocal that are... harmonies owe a lot to soul, but they're also weird, you know? Like, yeah. Like Kit Malone's falsetto is extremely is pretty rough in a cool way. Um, it's, there's a, the, it's a little nerdy. It's like... Yeah, it's, but they... It's kind they of inc- nerdy music. They incorporate those, like, vocal layers really well. It almost mar- reminds me of, like, um, a Mariah Carey song, like, the way she'll, like, 
incorporate a bunch of vocal layers over each other. They'll they'll like build whole songs around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like staring at the sun, which is mostly built around that falsetto vocal riff. Yeah, and that's the other thing that is uh, other than Wolf Like Me, I guess probably like uh, that's the most famous TV on the radio song. And it I it was their first big song, yeah. And I've definitely heard that. Like when we were, you know thinking of doing this episode i listened back and i was like okay i put on this song and i was like instantly i was like i know this song like i've heard this song a bunch but i don't know where and i i still have not been able to identify because it wasn't on those like mixes and i didn't download it so i have no idea where i heard it must have been on tv it was like, on, on tv, TV shows. it was one of those songs that would be on, I, we confirmed it was definitely on entourage but like um it was on tv i mean again this was a this was a weird era in the early aughts where like indie music would get commercialized to the point where you would hear, like I heard an Interpol song on Friends, you know, uh, Gravity Rides Everything by Modest Mouse was a car commercial. Um, you know, there were definitely shows who were like, to be cool, we're going to play. Was Staring at the Sun on Six Feet Under? Is that what I'm thinking of? Anyway, I don't know. It was it, it was like a thing for Prestige. Too. It, it was a thing for like Prestige Television to like incorporate indie rock. Yeah, and I, I imagine, like, you know, at the time, you know, the Shins needed money, so they, they had their song in a McDonald's commercial, and, uh, and yeah, I imagine they needed money, so they Or the probably... uh, the, the infamous uh, Montreal Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, where he, uh, like, rewrote his song to... Let's yeah. go out back tonight. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, it, so... I had heard them. It, it's, it's funny, because, like, listening to that, it's, like, hard... It was hard to... Dis- it... it Maybe it's, like, a thing for younger, especially, like, our younger listeners, because it, it is, like, hard to disassociate some music of this era from, like, commercials. Yes. <laughs> and and I think that might make it hard cause it, uh, to, like, appreciate, because it makes it seem really corny. And mm-hmm. to some degree, it is. Like, I listened to one of their songs from 2014 from their, like, which is their they're still apparently active but although one of their members gerard smith died um in 2011 but um it it just it's the most 2014 sound it reminds me of like you know fucking wake me up whatever that avici oh yeah (laughs) oloy black or whatever his name is song um but yeah, it it just like it's that I don't know. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> um, but it it it's like where so many like broken social scene too. It's like where so many of those like indie rock bands and they're like, you know, release in 2013 or 2014 where they're making like sort of pop adjacent indie rock music for car commercials. Like <laughs> right. I feel like new pornographers really went that direction too. Like it was it was a weird era, but. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, so I don't it, know. It made, it made it hard for me to like get into. I was a little cynical about it. Um, but like reading more about it and like listening to the EP more, I, I, you know, I like it more. And I mean, I always liked them. It's just like something I'm like, you know. Uh, I, I mean, they're. I think they're one of the very rare bands of like the post-punk revival era that were actually doing something interesting and new with their sound. That's true. You know, they didn't feel like specifically indebted to a, a, a band or two from, you know, 1981 or whatever. They, they felt fairly new and original. It was 
I think that was a big appeal. Even like the thing about um, TV on the radio is sometimes their songs are a lot more texture than songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's why, like, even on albums that feel a bit uneven because of that, I still really enjoyed them because it was it was interesting. It was different. Yeah, and that's true here. Like you know, I I really like you know blind and young liars, but they're they're fairly specifically mood pieces. Yeah, yeah, I definitely like uh, blind in particular. But uh, do you want to read from the Pitchfork review? Ah, yes. This is this is a delightful little bit of Pitchforkiana. Actually, uh, oh, this was also put out by Touch and Go. That's that's yep. crazy because the last thing we were talking about was, and they're completely unlike each other. Um, this this got an eight point nine, by the way. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I think deserved. Uh, I'm not a spiritual person, nor am I easily moved by musical sentiment. A sort of innately critical shell forces me to appreciate sincere artistic outpourings from a distance in order to more fully examine them. Critics have to understand and express with seemingly imagined, <laughs> this is insane to me, with seemingly imagined words like luminous, what listeners will often simply feel in terms more like awesome. <laughs> oh God. Uh, we're, not a, we're not immune to the awesome bug though. And we still discover certain records that not only disarm our battery of well-honed defenses, but raise them to the ground. For TV on the radio, all it took was Tunde Adebimpe's sterling gospel blues croon, a solitary voice multi-tracked into a gorgeous three-part harmony containing multitudes. Hear me hailing from inside and realize I am the conscience clear. A rapid mechanized pulse, pulse of clicks lead, lead, lend insistence to a suggestion that time is short. We were all weaned, my dear, upon the same fatigue. Thank you, Eric Carr. Wow, that is so Kid A review. It it's it's the the weird kind of rock critic or like record store clerk elitism. The idea of like, you know, clerks have a thicker or uh, critics have a thicker skin for this stuff. We don't just call things awesome. So um, when we say that it's awesome, it's yeah, awesome. It's it must be extremely awesome um yeah i don't know but it is a good it is a cool ep so i kind of get it yeah i mean i i get why it sounded different uh definitely it's funny because i'm actually looking at the the like archive.org snapshot of this review and it's basically the same but they've changed the wording oh really (laughs) it like it's weird like how they revise these reviews but not in like substantial ways like they just like reworded parts of it and like the way that they reworded it didn't necessarily make it any clearer i don't know because like some of the old reviews are just not up anymore so i that's why i have to look at archive.org but this one is and it's basically the same review except several sections are worded differently and like a lot of their reviews that have stayed on their website up until today or that way which i i have no idea why they did that but whatever either yeah because this snapshot of the page is like from several months after this review was written so it must have been revised like you know months and months and months after yeah so, editors man that's such, that's so weird <laughs> it is very weird they might have like rewrote them when they put them up on their new like 
website or I, I don't know. It's so strange. Yeah, or it was like a, an attempt to like engage the internet more. Maybe it's like an algorithm. That, I don't know. It's so weird. The changes are very subtle though. But yeah, um, so TV on the radio, uh, a bunch of different members. Uh, it started with Tunde Adabimpe and uh, David Sitek. Is that how you say it? I, I, you know, I've never heard it said aloud. So that's just how I've always said it in my head. Yeah. Uh, so Tunde uh, <laughs> went to. <laughs> Sorry, this is an ongoing joke with our. Uh, uh, his family is originally from Nigeria. But he went uh, and he was in St. Louis for a bit and then uh, Pittsburgh. And he attended the Shady Side Academy for special little boys yes. <laughs> in, in Fox Ch- uh, Chapel, Pennsylvania, um, well, which is, of course, a very prestigious private school. Um, and then he went to NYU, of course, because everyone in this era is an NYU undergrad in this scene. Um but he actually went for film school, um, but uh, apparently he got kicked out of school <laughs> because <laughs> he just hang out in his apartment in Williamsburg. So like a lot of the scene, them, uh, the TV on the radio, like yeah, yeah, yeah's liars were all living in Williamsburg at right. the time, which is now like super yuppie. Um, but at the time it was like heroin needles everywhere, cheap, yes. you know. Be, as as we we will see time and time again, music scenes exist where the rent is cheap. It is funny for them talking about just random blocks that I've walked by several times and being like, oh, yeah, I was on whatever and whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're the fucking, you know, like <laughs> gentrification, like pizza restaurant is or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, and actually, so he uh, got into animation and... Um, he wanted to. He actually worked on the the show Celebrity Deathmatch for MTV. Oh, I remember that. That's so weird. Yeah, apparently he was one of the first animators for the show. Um, and yeah, and then Dave Sitek um was uh had moved uh from Baltimore to because he's from Baltimore to uh, New York because his brother was there, Jason. And um, he basically, like, made living off of just making paintings and selling them on the streets. Like, these are all young, you know, people, like, living in houses with, like, eight different people, you know, which I have definitely done before, although it seemed cheaper (laughs) to do then. Um, They said their rent was, like, 450 or something of, like, an apartment that, at one time had like eight people in it so oh man that's that's amazing yeah 450 Um, in new york but yeah um so uh, i'm gonna read actually um from this uh this is from um the book meet me in the bathroom of course which i bought for this podcast (laughs) um this is Dave Seatech. We lived on South First and Havermeyer above this fish market. It smelled unreal, but our rent was like four fifty a month. The L Cafe had just opened. The wine store, coffee shop, Osnott's Dish had just opened. That was the neighborhood. I started painting immediately. I was selling paintings in the street, and that's how I became friends with Tunde. He said to me, you have no clothes and no furniture, but you have paint and drum machines? I was like, yeah, that's kind of the vibe. <laughs> uh, Tunde says... 
We just found pictures of that place recently, and my room is essentially a big mess of books and paints and just crap all over the floor. Shit that I drag in from the streets and make into stuff. I was walking to the bathroom one day, and the door in Dave's room was open. I see a mattress with a bunch of paints on it, a desk with a bunch of cassette tapes, tons of empty cigarette box and bo- boxes and, cart- and cartons. I thought, I'll be friends with that kid. Um... uh, Dave says, Karen O. referred to our loft as the sandbox because she would come to our house and there there was like paint, paper, and silk screening stuff everywhere. And it was just me and Tunde and my brother making whatever the fuck we wanted with whatever medium we wanted, playing in the sandbox. Um, Tunde says, we weren't paying anything to be there, and if you'd seen it, you'd know why. I mean, there was plywood on the windows. We didn't have windows for a really long time. We'd spend most of the night painting and then go out in the morning and sell stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, eventually, um, Dave says, uh, I'd always been making music. I was in bands when I was a teenager, but I didn't really want to do it in front of people. So I was just making experimental music on my own. Um, and then Tunde says the night Dave and I started making songs together, we ended up putting six of them on this disc called okay calculator. We, we silk screen covers and hid the CDs in furniture stores or bookstores. We had an email address on the back, so people actually started writing in and being like, I found this CD. What is this? What's going on? Who are you guys? We left the stack of them at the Verb Cafe for people to take, and that was about it. I don't think it went any further than that, trying to make art and music together. Uh, Then Dave started producing with Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. So he'd he'd be gone a few months, and I'd just go back to what I was doing. Um, And yeah, so Dave produced uh, Fever to Tell by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's. And then um, Dave says, after Fever to Tell, the Liars asked me to do their record. Uh, Because all these bands were doing it all analog, the Liars were like, we want to do all digital. I didn't know how to use Pro Tools, so I brought a Pro Tools system and I recorded me and Tunde just making music just so I could learn how to use Pro Tools. The Young Liars EP is actually just me learning how to use Pro Tools. Uh, We had no intention of it coming out. We weren't really a band, uh, but we gave it to Karen and our friends, and Karen gave it to Corey Rusk at Touch and Go Records, and he was like, yeah, I want to put this out. Um, it was kind of an accident. So, yeah. That makes sense to me. It sounds about right. Uh, but the, yeah, okay. Again, you know, Young Liars does have a very digital sound. Yeah, they were just messing around with pro... It, it makes me think so much of the shins. <laughs> yes. It's like bands going from analog kind of, you know just doing whatever to like okay we're gonna record digital now we don't really know what we're doing i i think there's a little bit of that mid-fi like don't know what they're doing element to young liars i i guess like the arrangement is probably more interesting than um oh invert oh inverted world but like the recording quality is kind of a similar like mushy mid-fi to me it, it is it, it, and it's like the eq is all weird it's a it's a bit yeah. tinny. but but it's also the arrangements are great and they feel like the kind of arrangements you get when you're learning a digital audio workstation, right? Cause it's, it's all layers that just kind of go on and on. Um, a bit like remain in lights as we were just talking about it, but they were using analog, you know, there's like, um, it, it, it's apparent that they, it was easy to make loops. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. Do you have much comment? Uh, do you have much in the way of comments uh, about OK Calculator? By the way, I re- I listen to it and it makes me think of something like, like those early Beck releases or like the very first Sebado tapes or something. Like a little bit more of like a joke version of that. Yeah, where, that's, that's or like 
exactly what I would compare it to, too, is like, uh, yeah, the, the free man and weed forced and, you know, shrimper tapes. Yeah, there's some goofy, like, joke hip-hop tracks. There's um, there's just, like, you know, lots of tape hiss. It, it, or, like, the early Modest Mouse stuff, actually. Like, the, you know... Um, so, I guess, like, a lot of people were doing those kinds of recordings back then. Um, but, but it's funny, because, like, by the time I learned how to make music, I wasn't learning... Uh, using those tools so it seemed like the coolest thing to me so i was like very into lo-fi music that sounded like that i still am to some extent especially like that that godspeed you black emperor album the long lost one that got released Mm -hmm. um i actually really like that album oh it's great Uh, and i don't really have that much i like i don't feel that strongly about godspeed you black emperor (laughs) generally oh okay (laughs) Um, but, um, but yeah, like, um, it, it also reminds me of like some of the, but some of the like layering acapella, like layering of, of voices and just like doing the beats and harmonies. It actually reminds me of, uh, have you seen like doc future, the YouTube channel, I know. do you know his videos what like is... the, the ASMR funky Kong video? Oh yeah. 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 I, I have seen that. That guy, he uh, he's done several videos where it's just like he like loops himself like you know like over like Star Trek footage or whatever like doing like a, a version of a video game song where he just does the arrangement with his voices uh, with his voice you know mm-hmm. and it's layered like that and it's kind of a joke. Um, Is this that's the guy? What... This isn't the guy who did like the all vocal versions of like OK Computer and shit, did he? No, although that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um so it's interest an interesting artifact but it's, you know, never been released um outside of like file sharing for fairly obvious reasons. Um so officially their first release I guess is Young Liars. Um so yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, calculator feels like people fucking around and having fun. It's it's fairly clear. Um Yeah, you know, uh so what did what do you think of Young Liars? Is this your first time really engaging with it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I had heard Staring at the Sun a bunch, but um, it shares a name with a fairly mediocre U2 song, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, well, and I had heard Mr. Greaves, obviously, the cover, but, um, yeah, I, I didn't. This is actually, like, <laughs> their highest rated thing on Rate Your Music, this this EP, which That's is kind of funny to me, because it seems... Fucking hipsters. <laughs> Yeah, it seems kind of like like not fully developed, so I'm just surprised uh by that. Yeah, I I I'm not the hipster shit. It's their first release. They sold out after this. Um, I think it like it definitely hints at a lot of potential, but it's like not there. Like some of the songs are feel just kind of like even though they're layered like interestingly and there's some interesting arrangement stuff, they also feel kind of haphazard in some ways. It, yeah, I mean, they're playing with texture. They're playing with arrangement. It, it's, it feels like a learning experience. Um, you know, this is... And the same way, Desperate Use has a similar thing going on too. Like, you can see how these add up to like Cookie Mountain and uh, Deer Science. Um, 
But, you know, I, I, I always have a lot of affection for, like, the music people make when they're just trying stuff out. Yeah, this is before a lot of the band members joined also. It's just Tunde and uh, Dave and his brother, I think, Jason. There's some guests, like, you know, uh, like you mentioned, but this is before um, Jillio Bunton uh, joined and and uh, Kip Malone, which, by the way, I'm kind of glad that we're, we're not talking about Kip Malone because I, I don't know anything about him, but uh, his sister uh, made news for... Uh, co-running a, so, a horrifying social media cult oh uh, i don't know if you saw this story called um the day life army uh yeah it's the story is honestly horrifying and she definitely exploited her connections to her brother in the music industry oh um, no it's it's really bad it's a nightmare um and it's like like appeared on a lot of uh the the journalist em- emily fleet freed Friedlander and Joy Crane wrote about it, but it's like appeared on a lot of right wing websites of being like left wing cult forces uh, members to have gay sex. And it's like, uh, weirdly, that actually is the case. Like, it's oh, like wow. the nightmare. It's like the, the Manson family sort of nightmare. Her name is KOA Malone, by the way. Um, Kimberly Laura Malone. So I have no idea what she's doing in now, but she probably should be in jail. Yeah, that's that's awful but as far as people who are on the album <laughs> yeah but as far as and I don't know if that has anything to do with her brother but that was kind of horrifying when I found that out I was like uh yeah I don't oh know what, I, I just I don't know what to do with that information um, um but anyway uh, troubling um but yes uh so the first song is satellite which is I, I think this is my least favorite on the album actually it's okay I, I, it's a, something about the core progression I, I find kind of cloying. Yeah, it's a little clumsy. There's a little bit of like a, I mean, like uh, this, and it seems like their first album too has a lot of like just very simple kind of organ slash distorted bass um, with some kind of like distorted drum textures, which they sometimes have like a drum machine which they sometimes layer with like real drums and sometimes it's just the drum machine um and sometimes it works better than others i will say i really hate the drum machine sound in the next song but um and staring at the sun yeah oh wow uh, this is a horrible hi-hat song a sound that i hate um but it's it's um, definitely a cheap one yeah i can can see that it, it also makes me think of yeah yeah yes which is obviously you know relevant because dave c-tech has produced like all of their albums well and 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 nick zinner and brian chase are are uh i believe on staring at the sun and blind yeah so there's a lot of overlap between at especially at the time yeah yeah yes um they were and and liars and of course karen O also dated angus andrew of liars who famously uh you know uh ghosted her and that's why she's crying in the in the famous uh video for uh what what's the fucking name of that song <laughs> maps maps um, yeah it's but yeah, anyway so, and and uh i believe the other side of mount heart attack is also about that relationship oh uh, okay okay um so they both but, yeah. wrote sad ballads <laughs> so they all lived in williamsburg around the same area and they were all kind of part of the same 
group, those three bands in particular. So interesting to note. Um, but some of the better bands that that whole scene definitely produced, I would say, some of the best ones. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which makes sense because they were living in the in the cheap part of town. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, yeah, so... Um, there's this kind of shuffly uh, lo-fi percussion at the beginning with the, like, the, you know, the, the buzzy, like, simple bass notes. Um, and, yeah, the, there's, um, the, you have the trademark multi-tracked sort of harmonized vocals, which is, which is, is just Tunde doing them. Um, and, um, well, I always thought that there was, like, multiple vocals, but no, he just, like, multi-tracks his vocals that way, which adds a lot of the texture, I think to their music in general, but to this, like where, you know, when some of the arrangements can be like pretty spare. Um, For sure. Um, well, and especially when you get to like Mr. Greaves, which is acapella. <laughs> yeah. This kind of has an interest. I mean, like he, he has a really good voice, but there's kind of a little bit of a, um, it's a little idiosyncratic, I guess you could say. Like, it's it's definitely it's definitely uniquely his. It has like a, a a grain and a texture that is very uh, his own. Yeah, he has the falsetto. Um, and what I love little... about his falsetto is it's it's not good, really. Yeah, it's a he... little nerdy, honestly. I mean, like uh, he's. <laughs> I, I mean, he was an animator. He he's he's a very nerdy guy, from what I can tell. Yeah. Um, and you know, this is the music that nerds made at the time. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, so I I think that that adds something to it, where it's like he has a really good voice, but it's also like a little bit of a. It's not like fully polished. It's not polished in a way like a mainstream artist is. Like, there's some kind of like. There's a little bit of a character in a, a, a timbre to it that's a little unusual or, or rough, I guess. It's also it also felt very different from like the typical post punk revival vocalists of the era, which you know, yeah, usually either sounded like Ian Curtis or were yelling. Yeah, he's not doing like punk vocals. He's doing more like soul kind of ish, uh, like more like melodic and soulful vocals. Uh, oh, in general definitely more melodic um but it's it's kind of like um i don't know the way it's produced it doesn't make it as prominent as you might expect i guess if that makes sense no although i so the thing about the way it's produced is i feel like it makes the moments when it is very vocally focused like that much more surprised. Like, I guess I just don't expect to hear really good vocals on a lo-fi album. Yeah. Like ever. <laughs> I guess you're right. So it, it's, it's an, it, you know, lo-fi is, it's, is wrong. It's mid-fi, but, but still like, and I, I think that's one of it's the things. kind that's of a, lo-fi. I, I think it's one of the things that's appealing about it to me is it's, it's, it's playing with ideas that are, Unlike OK Calculator, that are that are a little less typical of the kind of production. Mm-hmm. 
The lyrics are, your voice was a satellite spinning next to me. Now I can't hear. Over the radio, someone said a satellite just went down into the sea. So I go, I fathom leagues. I am the undertow. I wait peacefully. And then the chorus is, and now I'm waiting for a signal or sound. Where can you be found now? Where can you be found now, my love? Where can you be? So he repeats, he's like, where can you be? Where can you be? It's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a swing type tempo to it um yeah although like all the songs have these like sort of repetitive vocal hooks that are looped around yeah um i think maybe this hook is less good than you know the next song which is probably why it's like you know maybe oh uh, yeah agreed i mean again i think this is my least favorite on the album it's it's just it's fine it's fine you know? Yeah, I think, I think the the production does enough to keep me interested, but there is like, it, it does feel like a little spare. Like it feels like something is missing. Yeah, and it it, it, yeah. it, it feels a little half baked to me as well, um, in a way that like, you know, other songs that are also maybe a little half baked have other things going on. It's like you can tell what they were trying to do, but they're not like quite there yet. Which I mean, it makes sense because they didn't know that they were going to release this at all. There's like an interesting kind of. Uh, I think this and Young Liars both have this of like where it crescendos more, and there's like more uh, vocal layers added, and like the the reverb and stuff is turned up. And this actually has like a flute solo towards the end, or like you know a flute part sort of in the background that adds something interesting. But yeah, I. I wrote like just in general about this EP sort of a combo of polished production slash arrangement wise, but also kind of haphazard. Right. <laughs> Which um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think some of it is just an intentional aesthetic choice. It's sort of like, you know, cause this is the same period of the strokes where, you know, they distort their vocals to try to make it sound lo-fi, but it's obviously they're using very nice equipment to do that. Um, this is not quite that, but they are using Pro Tools to do that, so... Yeah, you know, it's... But also, Pro Tools can't make your equipment better. <laughs> no. So, like, it's it's also dependent on the kind of mics you're using and, and so on and so forth, um, and how well you're mixing it. Um, so, staring at the sun, I was thinking about this. I love its sort of insistence on itself, you know, it's very much like it starts it's it's a song that builds with like piece by piece and plays with um sort of swelling in and out based on its arrangement I guess I hear this I hear especially that texture and I instantly think yeah 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 it's like it, it's it's hard for me to associate with anything else because it's just like such such like music of that time had that particular texture I mean the guitar sound is yeah it's it's Nick Zinner's but I feel like the context is so different you know yeah 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 at the time were so manic but um, yeah like this the style of production like arrangement this sort of like lo-fi slash kind of like a pop that's like a little bit like 
with an edge to it. I, I don't know how to describe it. But I, I just associate that with Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs and a lot of music of this era, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. They feel really different to me. I mean, I, I get it with the texture, but like there's something very, there's like a lot of simmering happening with Staring at the Sun. Like it feels like more of a seething song where it's like, you know, fever to tell if it had, you know, one of its flaws is that it was almost entirely one note. <laughs> like it was all like this, these like big brash loud songs mm-hmm. in a way that nothing on this album is really gets loud. No, there's more like subtlety to it. I just mean some of the textures, like the bass texture, the bum 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 bum, bum. just like the the sound like of the bass. I don't know, it's just the. Uh, but yeah, the the song starts with some voices like harmonizing, and then uh, voices like talking in Spanish. It actually makes me think of uh, you remember that song, "A Reminder" by Radiohead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, with that has like a bunch of French voices like. like talking at like an airport or something at the beginning it makes me think a little bit of that um but yeah the main thing of this song is the vocal hook which is like one of the strongest of any tv on the radio song i think pitchfork uh called this song like one of the top 20 songs of the 2000s or something like that i'm gonna actually look this up so i can and it was include. It's the only one from this EP to be included on their first album, and the recording is the exact same. No, I, I think they remixed it a little bit. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, no, it, it was the only one to make it, and I think deservedly so. I, you know, it's it's a really strong track. It's listed number forty-one on Pitchfork Media's top five hundred songs of the two thousands. Uh, I don't know if I put it that high. Um, but um, it's, it's a good song. I mean, again, it's it's basically it's it's disorder, but you know, tenser and quieter. Yes, and if you've heard if you've heard a TV on the radio song that's not Wolf Like Me, it's probably this song because I just instantly that vocal hook the ba 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 da like that that vocal hook is just like burned into my brain like instantly i heard it, i was like oh yeah i fucking know this song like there's, I like, didn't... there's so many vocal hooks though like the i don't know i, th- I think tune is really really good at those um which is good because the song like the chord progressions don't really develop like it doesn't there's not a no i mean that's true <laughs> for this this whole album it's kind of droney it is um, <laughs> it is droney but then, you know, we get into the more re- repeated, like, vocals where he says, you're staring at the sun, standing in the sea, your mouth is open wide, the lover is inside, and the t- all the tumult's done, collided with the sun. Uh, you're staring at the sun, you're standing in the sea, your body's over me. And then there's another uh, voice who is, t- I-, I honestly thought was Karen O, uh, oh, really? but it's it's Katrina Ford of uh, the band Celebration doing backup vocals. Uh, they also have a music video for this, which mm-hmm. I kind of like. Um, oh, I love it's just that like video. weird. Yeah. Oh, ha- have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We can describe it for the listeners, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, it came, uh, if you bought the CD single, you could put it in, and it came with a QuickTime video file of uh, the music video. <laughs> multimedia. <laughs> what an era. Uh, and they put on uh, two B sides for the single that are from OK Calculator. So, yeah, I never um, owned the single, but <laughs> yeah, 
But this is the first thing they were pushing as a single. Yeah, the video has like a lot of kind of cool video. It's like an early version of like data moshing or something like that, you know? Yeah. I, it, I mean, it's it's not data moshing, but it's like something like that kind of video effect. But it feels like I, I just got a video editor and I'm pl I'm having fun with it. Yeah, I I like it a lot, actually. I think it's the, the, the kind of video that you want for this song, you mm -hmm. know, versus some of those Interpol and broken social scene videos by that one Canadian by the one music guy director. Yeah. Who we do not like. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was worried. I was worried it was going to be like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, unfortunately the video is not in high quality. Uh, there's no way to find an HD version, which is a bummer. Um, yeah, no, but at the time it was great. Yeah. They also have, I think Jaleel Bunton, playing drums in the video even though there's no live drums on this song which no. i think is funny well and tunde would go on to like i, I believe it was tunde would go on to like direct other music like he did the music video for pen by yeah 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 oh okay um so this you know they this was again they were it, this kind of goes back to that idea of like yeah we're just going to make stuff yeah cool. multidisciplinary um, in a in a similar way to like bro broken social scene it's it's amazing how much of this is like you know collaborative and it's allowed to be so because rents are cheap <laughs> right and that's just not possible it's just not possible for that anymore this is like the last era where rents are cheap and you can make that kind of music in a city like that i, I don't know or that kind of like culture in general not just music but right um so so moving on um i don't so i i do want to mention i hate the fucking drum machine in this song i I, fuck, I don't mind it but the like the freaking hi-hat sound i i hate it i could i could see it but i you know i like shitty cheap drum machines <laughs> i mean like it develops a little bit and there adds like a beat under it but like the hi-hat sound is so ugly and plain and there's like it just it sticks out so it's like the exact type of thing that i would hate doing <laughs> it, the fact that it's like one of their most famous songs makes it even more egregious to me <laughs> that, 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 mean, that I, the public I, at large would support such a hi-hat yeah i mean i like the song it doesn't develop much melodically like i said like a lot of it is in the vocal harmonies and the, the vocal hooks which um, is true about the the whole ep yeah uh, but yeah, it's a good song. Obviously, it gets in your head. It really fucking gets in your head. It actually, is. It's extremely catchy. <laughs> and oh. and Katrina Ford's vocals are good too, even though they're kind of in the background. They add something to it. Um, so yeah, it's actually really satisfying. Which again, I, I would also, I think it's the same with Blind, which might be my favorite. It, it's between this and Staring at the Sun for me. But I really, really like Blind. This is my favorite song easily on this EP. It's so good. like a time stretched like destroyer <laughs> song or something like that that's, like that's a really good way of putting it yeah 
Absolutely. It's got that kind of like slowed and reverbed texture. The drum machine is like obviously like downsampled. Mm-hmm. You have that sound like when you, you know, it, it's like sounds too slow and too low of a pitch. Um, and the, the, I mean, the vocal performance carries it because it's very like, you know, it just, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it it feels time stretched, but in a way where like the vocals are, are really working with it to add like a lot of a, a feeling of weight uh, and sincerity and, and profundity to it, uh, which I think is what I like about it. Yeah, it's it's I you know, it's 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 again, it, it kind of works to, to a similar way from to staring at the sun where it kind of builds and layers it's very, but it's much more atmospheric. Um, and I just... Which I think works better for this kind of sound. I, I would agree, yes. Um, than something more upbeat. Because I, like, it being a little dreamy and, like, time stretch sounding, like, makes you appreciate the textures. And, like, and then it makes his melodic, like, vocal hooks stand up even more um and you know i don't know it adds something to it yeah it's very very atmospheric um while still being like melodic enough to maintain interest you know it's not ambient music um but it is it's 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 the kind of texture exploration that is also usually my favorite stuff on um desperate youths um when they when they really dig into it mhm it just vibes on the same chord progression over and over again. Yeah, I think it's, it's a like, good one. <laughs> yeah, uh, the lyrics are. I like his delivery too. It's a little softer. Um, I I seen a girl with a guy, her hair like yours. From what I remember, he took her hand and smiled. Her name, her face like yours. She smiled the same. From what I remember, uh, been so long since last December. Um, yeah. Um, and there's just a bunch of different vocal hooks in this that are that are that are really interesting and really get in your head. Yeah, it's just really good stuff. Oh, I just really like. I, I don't know. It's a hard song for me to talk about because it's not. It's so foggy to me. But I, it's it's a it's a song that's really great to luxuriate in. Yeah. Um... Is because uh, my love, my love is a sucker bet. Before we find another noose to fit us, from what I remember, before we choose another hand to hit us, before we choose another hand to hit us, like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like good vocal hook, even though it's just vibing on a, a chord progression. Um, it, I, I really do think his vocals are like, and not just like his delivery, but like, or and his you know polishedness of his performance but the the way that he can like extract these vocal melodies that are really that really like draw something more and and add like uh, a much more like melodic texture to this music that is kind of like a little bit um i don't know for lack of a better term it's kind of like new york i mean it's a little bit rough <laughs> and, yeah. and and uh uh grungy and a little bit like uh I don't know. Not super accommodating in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, 
yeah like i said it, it it it's an indie rock fucking song it does sound like it does sound like like you stretched out a destroyer song to me yeah which is a great idea people should do that because destroyer that is, is good, a good idea and slow stuff is good um um but I, yeah the next song is young liars yeah which is the most streamed song on the ep searching the clouds for the song my lady avails herself of markdown freedom forever cashed out to no more she put the bell in the blame bullets bearing the name of each tigress who's left to a tomb Save the skins for a bell, and the rest for a bell. They can't open, no nothing. Can't open, no nothing. Young liars. That's interesting. It's twenty-five it's not mils. Actually, it's not actually my favorite. It's not mine either, but I like it. It, it. it feels, you know, it carries the mood from Blind. It feels a bit more successful than Satellite for me. Um, but it, I think it. I think for me, the the biggest. My my only real issue with with it is that it feels a bit slight. Yeah, um, from what I can tell, the, they play this a lot live as well as "Staring at the Sun," but not so much the other two proper songs from this album. So. No, I saw them after Desperate Youths uh, playing with the Faint, and they did not. I think they yeah they they just played uh, "Staring at the Sun" from this. Which yeah. Sucks. We have more rickety lo-fi textures. We got like an organ that sounds, you know, very like, like kind of like just a very like mechanical sounding organ that's like falling apart. Um, and then like kind of, again, lo-fi drum textures. They're very much like... There's almost something uh, like Tim Heckery about it. Yeah. But it makes me think of... What's that low song called Just Like Christmas where they just use like a, a drum beat that comes on like an organ like a you know one of those like organs you play for that have like electronic voices on them for yeah. like church stuff um that's what it sounds like to me um but the vocal harmonies like add a again like add a lot of texture to it um probably because you know like they're still trying to figure out what they're doing musically so um you know tunde is just kind of like what can I do over top of this that would be interesting? Mm -hmm. So he's really, um, and I think that uh, adds a lot. But I think the slight feeling comes from the fact that there, I don't think there's any bass in this track, which is kind of weird. Um, I guess not. Although it has like a, it has like a low frequency rumble. Yeah. But I do like that they, um, like they have a live drum kit over the top of the like, you know uh just fairly minimal drum machine which i think helps a lot um and this is just another groove basically it just kind of like is one particular melodic phrase and then it kind of uh crescendos and and gets more and more sort of um you know like reverbed out as it goes and uh you know kind of like at closing out this album or like the idea of what this band could be, I guess, because they hadn't really fully developed, you know, what they are yet. Right. Um, Which I, I kind of love, you know, it's, it's a good, this EP generally is like a good, like late night driving EP. Um, and it's because of like atmospheric tracks like this. 
Yeah, it gets more interesting after they add the sort of guitar and more distorted reverb textures over top, and it really feels like it, you know, sort of a, a minimalism thing where it's, like, developing more and more as it goes on, um, which I, I guess makes sense if it being structured as something that they made in Pro Tools because it's, like, that's the kind of music that uh, you you kind of get pushed towards making if you're if you're using a particular type of software and you're like you know not really sure exactly what you're doing but you're just trying to like develop an idea in an interesting way um, yeah. at least to me i don't know it's easy to just kind of do like do a groove and then you know do something like crescendoing in and out uh over top of it or something like that yeah yeah no for sure um, uh, but the the lyrics are um, my mast ain't so sturdy my head is at half I'm searching for the clouds for this gore my lady avails herself of markdown freedom forever cashed out to no more she put the blam in the blame bullets bearing the name of each tigress who's left you a tooth uh, save the skins for a pelt and the rest for a belt that can't open, no nothing, can't open, no nothing. And then the chorus is, young liars, thank you for taking my hands. And, thank you for taking my hands, young liars. I didn't sing that quite right, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. What do you think of the lyrics of TV on the radio in general, since we haven't really talked about them? I do not think about them, is the thing. Like, I think, you know, at worst, they can feel kind of corny and nerdy. Uh, as yeah, the, you know, Wolf Like Me has th those issues. Um, but there's some like furry. Is it, uh, he says, I thank you for taking my hands and burying them deep in the world's wet womb. Yeah, you know, the imagery feels like it often feels like it's trying a bit too hard. But that said, I mean, it's it's better than Nick Offer. <laughs> it's a little spiritualist, but also kind of like a dorky version of spiritualist, if that makes sense. Yes, but the, the thing is, is like at worst it's dorky, um, and at best it's it's you know it's fine it's 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 evocative even. Yeah, clairvoyant consciousness, like that kind of phrase, is something that you'd expect in like um, you know that uh, the breakdown on that Blackalicious what was that uh, release song? It's like it, yes, I, it's Although, something that Saul Williams would say. Or, it's also know. something that I would expect a guy selling paintings in Williamsburg in 2001 to say. Yeah. Which by the way, I, I do really like the cover for this EP because it is one of the most New York things in existence. It looks like Brooklyn. It's like, this is where I live. I look at the, that photo. I'm like, yep, this is where I live. It also feels very early odds, just the overexposure of the light and how like digital yeah. film, everything looks. I, don't know, I really like it. Yeah, it's a little bit um, ominous, too, which is, like, something that, from what I understand, like, they didn't, after their first few albums, they did, the, the darker stuff kind of, they didn't do as much of that, so, mm -hmm. which is kind of a shame. They just kind of became more of an indie rock band, I guess. Um, yeah, because, yeah, for better and for worse, I think. Um, but, yeah, uh, and uh, then it's, there's a, Mr. it's a cool... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's a cool song. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't have much to say about it. I, I think it's been a struggle because some of these songs are so, so spare and it's really like the 
the vocal harmonies and the layering of the voice that that like add a lot to it and i don't really have very many thoughts about the lyrics yeah i Um, I, I don't either i mean it's 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 a good sound it's an atmospheric sound and i think they do some cool stuff with it um i do feel like this ep a little bit embodies the idea of potential more than it actually is fully like arrived at anything i think that's true although it's hard for me to get out of the mindset of like when it was the only thing they had out (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it was just like a really interesting thing to to hear um but yeah and then there's there's the mr greaves which i think is great (laughs) it's so like fucking like I mean, he does a good job with it, especially because I just think I think it's just him. Yes, uh, but it's it's so college acapella group. Like, but it, like, which, this, like it, I, what I love about it is it points out that Mr. Greaves melodically has a lot of that in it. Which, fair. I mean, it, you know, I it reminds me of when I was on that, that website, OC Remix, where we did, like, arrangements of video game music, and someone would do, like, oh, I'm going to do this, like, wildly different genre for this thing, and everyone's like, oh, that's really cool, but at some level, it's kind of like a gimmick, like, it just exists to be a cool thing that someone would do. I mean... It does a good job with it, but I don't know. It just, he just, it, it's hard for me not to think college acapella group. Cause if you look at a picture of him, especially around the era, he looks exactly like someone who would be in a college acapella group. You know, I just, I don't have any, I have, I have friends who are like this too, who are like really hate acapella because of college acapella groups. Uh, I've never experienced one. Um, I mean, I went to the school with the fucking Obertones. That's a terrible word you just said. Um, and I, I don't, I don't care for it. The Obertones are fucking referenced on an episode of BoJack Horseman. I don't know why they must have had an Oberlin grad write for that show. I don't, but I don't care for that either. But the, they the, had but, so much like like Oberlin College is like exactly the type of uh, it's like it's so it's the it's exactly the type of like indie rock kid cringy like dork nerd that like ah uh, uh, i don't know i guess that's why i don't like it i, I yeah the, th- the the thing is i don't i would say what separates this from like a postmodern jukebox or like somebody being like what what if we did this and this style is that i think mr greaves has a sort of vaudevillian corniness to it a lot of doolittle does yeah and i think yeah. and this cover is really playing off of that in a way that I think works super well. Like, I, I don't think this is a cover of, like, wouldn't it be funny if... I think it's a cover of what if we picked this aspect of the song and really focused in on it. Uh, I mean, it feels like a more sincere execution of a uh, of a thing where it's like you're never sure if um, Charles Thompson, Black Francis, is, like, winking at you or, like, what, you know, like, what exactly he means. Whereas this feels like a more sad version of it which i guess with the pixies like i i get it can feel like 
at times almost like a little irony poisoned or a little bit like where is this guy coming from why is he singing about this um but i i there's like a layer of weirdness and subtlety to the original that i feel like is just more straight with this cover which i get it like it is showing that like the song can work outside of a that context and in a more like sincere context but i just i i don't know it doesn't like it doesn't do a lot for me beyond that i guess well i think it's fantastic i think it's it's Uh, moody and it does something really cool with the song I don't have anything else to say about uh, Mr. Greaves or this EP. <laughs> I think it's great. Um, I I like the cover. I like the EP. I, I don't think, you know, I think they will do better things after this. Um, but I also think it's cool that Pitchfork, you know, for all the things that the sort of flash in the pan or bad bands that Pitchfork has championed over the years, I, I do think it was cool of them to find this EP that, like, is weird and more atmospheric than it is single heavy and still champion it. Um, mm. You know, good on you for that pitchfork. Uh, and I, I mean, and as a result, we got uh, some really good albums out of it. Yeah, I mean, just looking at their bestie music of the era, like I had heard of a lot of this stuff before, and there's stuff like Fog, or. You know, yeah, like, I mean, I, 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 we'll, we'll talk to him when we eventually talk about, like, uh, what is it, Ether Teeth? Yeah, I would love to talk about that. Or, you know, or but or I'm, A Promise by Shu Shu, which we're doing our next episode on. Or, like, you know, like that Manitoba album that are pretty weird or at least, like, pretty unusual and, like, out there. It's, it, um, it's cool that you would get that. You know, you would get, like, a Black Dice or Animal Collective review along with the uh the chick chick chicks of the world you know if, and that's if we, why we shit a on, lot of we shit on pitchfork a lot but if there's there was value to uh pitchfork and indie music coverage it was in that mixture of the experimental and the the general indie yeah and that's why a lot of people who are like looking at the um best new music page especially when it launches in 2003 the, the first uh, I, were... the first best new music i i forgot was was deer hoof it's apollo which is great no i think the first one was uh was um mrs john soda no p or d oh i'm going based on like what what they were saying (laughs) yeah i so i think the thing is like they retroactively added stuff that they uh that they released that was released before to the list as it was going on uh apollo was one of the first ones but i don't think it was the first one Either, um, point I, still stands though know. that like that deer hoof at all would get it when deer hoof is a stridently iconoclastic band yeah deer hoof shushu i mean like it the reason why it's interesting this era is interesting obviously other than the fact that you know it's when we were teens and grew up and all that kind of stuff is like if you're the people who are looking on the page for the sufjan stevens and the shins and the broken social scenes and the wrens and like you know like bands like that um also end up finding things like a promise by shushu or you know other stuff and even if they didn't like it 
they were reacting to it. Like they, they reacted to it as a thing. Mm-hmm. Like this is like you would hear about it as a result. It. Yeah. Even if you hear, even if you heard about how people hated it, you at least heard about it, you know? And I think that's the difference of this era. Like people love to complain in the era about like, you know, why did they give a fiery furnaces like a 9.5 or whatever? Cause people like hated that album. But they were right. Fiery furnaces rules. <laughs> no, they were wrong about fiery furnaces, uh, the people who hated them. But Pitchfork. Oh yes, right. no, Pitchfork was right. That's what I mean. Um, but like, it, it now like when that kind of stuff is released, like no one reacts to it. Yeah, you know, which is kind of like I don't know including if that's a Pitchfork. better situation. Yeah, including Pitchfork. Pitchfork just gives everything a seven point six seven point seven whatever you know and then that's that and it's fairly review it at all and they're fairly conservative and who they cover like every so often you'll get a weirdo band or like you know they'll cover like odd hyper pop projects now that it's a big concern but like i don't know yeah you don't get the same you know most outlets don't have that same breath anymore except for maybe like Bandcamp daily or like if there are still any blogs left yeah, and certainly people don't react to it the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I was actually just reflecting on, like, how so much of, like, the context for what Pitchfork, like, canonization is, is, like, fucking 4chan image lists, you know, <laughs> of, like, essential albums. How, like, that is just Pitchfork stuff. But the the people who, like, you know, go on, like... <laughs> went on like the 4chan music board or who got it from going on reddit or whatever you know watching fucking anthony fantano or whatever like they're they're just getting that received wind uh wisdom it's basically just pitchfork stuff because like it's the same thing it's like that culture of online or whatever but at least in the era of like when this stuff came out uh, and, and it wasn't like, I mean, certainly they, they put a lot of effort to trying to canonize certain things, um, you know, like Yankee Hotel, Foxtrot or whatever else. Um, but like, at least people reacting to things in the moment and like invested enough in this being a thing to, to hate what Pitchfork, uh, said that they liked or didn't like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like no one's really invested anymore. And I, I feel like that's the that's the biggest crime because it's like people should i think hear stuff like a promise by shushu or some of this other stuff um because i i I think it's it's important and useful and like um and and there's no sense anymore that like it's worth reacting to or thinking about this stuff i think It, it unless it's like you're doing it out of like some like canonized list or whatever and Mm -hmm. like I, I, I don't know. It's I mean like this era had a lot of problems, but it just it just bums me out how it doesn't feel like there's any kind of even thing to react to with, with music that comes out anymore other than like mainstream pop music, I guess. It's like you can react to Taylor Swift, but that's about it, you know. Which just yeah, it's it, it kind of goes into the lack of curation that exists in music spaces online anymore but yeah i mean again you know let it not be said that we've never said anything nice about pitchfork i think this was a cool service they did um yeah and i do think yeah best new music added a lot to the site and it kind of um put it in the direction of where it's gone now for better or for worse which hopefully will also happen to pitchfork during our best new music era 
So, so where would you put Young Liars on your list? Um, so I put it. Uh, I'm gonna scroll down here. I put it. Um, put it above Mira and below Blackalicious. I think that makes sense to me. For me, I would also put it just below Blackalicious. I think. So okay. ab- above Liz Fair and below Blackalicious, that puts it at number ten. It, it's number like 11 for you, I think. Or 11. It's, God, I need to just keep a, a, a running list. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I like it a lot. I think later TV on the radio um, albums are more conceptually whole and like were more important to me, but I had such a, you know, there are a few EPs that I just had a really like, uh, invested relationship with for a while uh and this was one of them and so it, i have a lot of affection for it that in the same way kind of in the same way that i had for black alicious where like that album was like i listened to that so much as a kid that i have feelings for it regardless of its quality um so that's why it's above you forgot it in people for anybody who's interested <laughs> yeah i think it's I just I feel like I I really struggled with what to say about honestly both of these artists, I, which is valid. Like again, I don't think Young Liars is the most dynamic or interesting thing they ever did. Yeah, because there just isn't much to say about Young Liars, and Chick 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 is very much what it is, which is I guess why we paired them. Yes, but they're it, important. I, I don't know uh, tent poles and ideas we're going to do, to explore the rest of the year, but. Um, yeah, that's why we paired him up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I guess it's nice to think about New York again. <laughs> in a nice the way. city that I live in and how terrible our fucking mayor is now. Fucking Eric Adams. When was the last time he had a good one? <laughs> um, maybe never. I mean, um, fucking de Blasio was bad, but he wasn't as bad as Eric Adams or, or Bloomberg or Giuliani. Fair. You know, Chicago just got a pretty cool mayor, so... Yeah, except all the cops are just gonna protest and ruin everything, probably. I, I hope they all quit. Fuck them. They threatened yeah. to, and they should. <laughs> um, uh, they're probably not gonna quit. They're probably just gonna be like, well, no, all the, the union- crime is because of this guy who hasn't even taken office yet. Well, the union's probably gonna pressure them, but that said... I'm glad we got him and not, you know, Lori Lightfoot that we used to have or Paul Vallis, which was the. Oh, yeah. The it's awful. Just an awful fucking man. So I'm feeling good. The thing is, like, Eric Adams basically is Paul Vallis, but no one perceived him that way, Oof. even though he's a fucking idiot asshole cop. I'm, but I'm, anyway. I'm extremely sorry to hear that. He's like cutting so much money for schools and like oh, libraries yeah. and just giving them to the fucking NYPD who's already so fucking overpaid. It's ridiculous. Cool, cool, cool. Know. I'm looking forward to see New York just get worse and worse every year. Yeah. I mean, I like I've decided that I like living here. <laughs> <laughs> you made the active but, choice to enjoy it. But yeah. Um anyway. Yeah, so 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 those were Chick, chick, chicken, uh, TV on the radio. We'll, we'll almost certainly come back to TV on the radio later. Yeah. Uh, I probably won't talk about chick, chick, chick ever again. Yes. But what are we talking about next episode? Boy, howdy. We're talking about a promise by Shushu, which was another poll winner. 
And yeah. this time is one I'm actually pretty stoked about. As one of the replies on Twitter said, um, you know, it's it's maybe the worst Juju album, but it's, that was that was Daphne, uh, a friend of Shushu, who said that. Yeah, but even the worst Shushu album is still pretty great. <laughs> I also think I it's the worst. I absolutely do not think it's the worst. No, Shushu I, I think album. there's worse Shushu albums. It's not fucking women as lovers or whatever oh i like women as lovers okay it's not fucking angel guts a red classroom it is not angel like guts. That album. no it is not like that women as lovers is good <laughs> fine whatever we'll get there in four years yeah a, a very interesting album to talk about there's so much to talk about with regard to shushu and i feel like i'll have a lot more to say yeah i'm excited next episode than i did this one i think i think we're both enthusiastic lovers of this band so this will be <laughs> we're both we're both women lovers. we're both women love we're, we're both third women lovers of shushu <laughs> um uh cannot wait uh, but yes, um, again, uh, we have an email. It is uh, kitchforkpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we did not get any <laughs> new emails. I mean, we haven't really updated this podcast much. No, we're, we're getting um, back on track, though. We're trying to get back on track. Um, so yes. Uh, and then after uh, this Shushu album, we have another 90s album, but we're going to continue to try to probably do some more polls, presuming that th- th- those still function on Twitter. Right. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. And some of the other ones that didn't win polls, like, you know, I, I don't know, The Strokes or... Um, uh, what were some of the other ones? You Are Free by Cat Power, which you tried to put your thumb on the scales <laughs> for, but failed. Uh, um, we'll cover, yeah. We might do those. There are several uh, bands that we from those polls that we will probably still cover eventually, but it's just not yet. The, the polls decide what order we're doing them in. Yeah, it's good to know what people prefer. Right. So. Yeah. What the, people, what the people want, regardless of what is best for them, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> exactly uh all right but in, in, until next time i've been your co-host max cohen and i've been your co-host liz ryerson and give me one sec here's a message to you eric adams and to you mr de blasio <laughs> the rest and the rest of you ties too tight dudes y'all could learn a lesson by losing inhibitions so fucking true do you have another opinion you can cry, you can moan, but can